Welcome to the weekly Unpacking It Facebook Live podcast, where we unpack the very latest in sports, faith, and life. Now, from Charlotte, North Carolina, from his mouth to your ears, here is Bryce Johnson. Welcome to the Unpacking It Live podcast. I'm Bryce Johnson. We love doing this live because today we've got some breaking news. Can't wait to talk about Oklahoma and Texas heading to the SEC. We will be here for the next hour as we unpack sports, faith, and life with the Unpacking It community of sports fans. I'm Bryce Johnson. Luke Heaton is here. Henry Bienemy is here. We'll talk to him during tap drill in just a little bit. Andrew, the intern, is here in the studio. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast either on YouTube or on anywhere you find podcasts, Apple, Spotify, we're everywhere. Uh, rate, review, subscribe. We appreciate it. Also, we will do Unpack This uh, in just a little bit. It's, it's our segment where we unpack sports, faith, and life and, and take a current sports story related to the Bible. And we send that out as a devotional as well uh, that you can subscribe to uh, and, and receive it in your email inbox. Just go to unpackingit.com. We will get into some Olympics today. We got to talk NBA finals. I know it's a little old now, but uh, we do this show once a week. And, and when we left you, I made a very convincing argument about the Bucks winning it in six. And sure enough, they won it in six. So we will, we will talk about that. Uh, as well, the NFL training camp getting going. Guess who showed up to training camp? Looks like they're getting underway in Houston. Deshaun Watson. Oh, what a nightmare story that is. I don't know what to make of it, but uh, but anyway, so much to get to. Thanks for you. Uh, thanks for joining us, being a part of this. I'm excited. Uh, Luke, how are you doing? You're recovering from a wedding, but we've got so many sports stories. You got to be feeling good. How, how was the weekend and the big wedding that you went to last night? Weekend was awesome yeah i was uh tapping into the reserve this morning got in about <clears throat> i think uh 1 a.m so uh feeling great feeling rigid <laughs> haven't seen 1 a.m you uh i don't know if you've seen 10 30 p.m in a while <laughs> that's right with uh with your your go-to being able to record things what wake up in the morning sick you're 6 a.m guy now you've embraced 6 a.m guy so well, uh seven, yeah. yeah wedding was good dance floor was was shredded dance Ooh. floor was dominated so uh, very, very proud of my performance. Me and the wife really uh, were the dynamic duo out there. And uh, I also realized I may, uh, I may be getting older because uh, my stamina on the dance floor, it, it's, uh, it's not quite there like it used to be in college. I don't, so, know if, I don't know if we danced longer or if I, before all the music was done, I was thinking, man, I think it's time to get out of here. But uh, we stayed the whole time, sent him off. I, I was uh, one of the groomsmen, uh, one of my college roommates, so that was really fun to see them married. And uh, But, yeah, and I think the dance floor stamina is a little down, so it's a little uh, – it's more quantity or quality over quality when I'm out there now. So when you're out there, is your motivation to have fun and dance and enjoy your wife, or is your motivation to entertain the crowd? Are, are you trying to draw attention to your dance skills – 
so that, that everyone comes up to you and like, wow, Luke, you're quite the dancer. That was awesome. And everybody's standing around like cheering you on and go Luke, go Luke. Is that what you're going for? Or, or is this truly just an enjoyment of dancing? I just want to dance. So, so Madeline asked me this last night. She was like, so, cause we, we were on the outskirts of the, the organically forming dance circle that happens periodically throughout the night. And she was saying, so do you, are you, do you really, do you like to go in the center of a dance circle? And I said, I don't need it. If I get pushed out there, I'll, uh, I'll go hard for a little bit and then come back out. I don't, I'm not the guy that needs to be the center of attention that needs to be Mr. Entertainer guy. Mm. I'll leave that to someone else. But if the spotlight were to fall on me, I'm ready. And, uh, so I really spent a lot of time, Madeline and I together and then around my college buddies and then, you know, if when the spotlight fell on me, I was ready to shine, ready to. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but no, I'm not Mr. Entertainer guy like you probably. No, well, so I, yeah, I don't like to dance. We we talked about that on the show, but I'm, so I'm not a big dancer, especially at at weddings. I'll I'll come out for the slow dance song. Other than that, I'm I'm working the cake and and I'm I'm a slow eater. So by the time I'm done eating and getting you know, working the cake. Birds, <laughs> Uh, on the uh, you know the, the the meatballs and the potatoes and whatever, uh, I'm not I have no time for dancing. No time Working for dancing. the cake. Does Jody dance? J- Jody likes to dance, so she'll get she'll get out there with the other ladies, all the single ladies. Uh, so she'll she'll be out there, and I'll just have to wave and say, "Hey, you look great." Way well, to go! It was hilarious. My, my sister was at at the wedding, and um, we her and I were on the outskirts, just kind of observing. So weddings are great. People watching in general is one of the greatest things to do in this world. Weddings are a great opportunity for that. So we're on the outskirts, and we're watching all of the middle-aged married guys. They all have the same go-to move. It's just a little back and forth, just a little shoulders. Maybe like, maybe like a sporadic arm goes up every now Ooh, and then. Some shoulders, some shoulders. It's so funny, but it's fascinating. If you have the wedding band on, you're, Im- you're immortal on the dance floor. It doesn't matter what you do. You can make a fool of yourself, but it's like, oh, yeah, he's married. His wife loves him. He's fine. He can do whatever he wants out here. There, yeah. There's a certain confidence. I'm not I'm not on that level, I guess. I, you know, I'm fine, like, dad dancing, like, with Maddie. I'm all in. Like, we'll goof Definitely. around, dance. Definitely. If you saw a dad at Lowe's on Saturday night. My Saturday nights now are spent at Lowe's. But Saturday <laughs> night at Lowe's. Uh, a dad like had all his girls in his, he was like driving around listening to dance music and they were having a big old time. And I was like, you know what? I could get into that. I, I, that so that's probably most likely me running errands, dancing with my daughters. That, that, that's probably where I'm um, heading. And then I saw, so something I like to do is every time I see someone with red hair, I take a picture with them. If they're, if they're a stranger, or if they're a friend, so I have I have this running like bit on my on my Instagram where I post pictures of every redhead I see. So one of my buddies who has red hair were there last night. One of the the photographer, he had red hair. So I'm like, hey, we gotta go, we gotta go snag a pic. So I asked asked Madeline. We was like, hey, I was like, hey, can we take a picture? He was like, oh no no, ask her to take a picture. I'm like, no, I want you, the photographer in a photo with me because of red hair and it was an amazing picture so uh be on the lookout that'll be posted later today but you know i've got a lot of love i can't wait i can't wait i freaked out people before they're like um 
I don't, I don't know. I don't, are you sure? And, and but I, I get the job done. So a lot of love for my fellow redheads out there. I like it. You guys got to stick together. No question. Well, uh, Luke, let, let's jump into to I'm convinced. And and if you're you're listening live now, uh, you can leave comments and, and let us know what you're convinced of. And before we jump in heavy to, to Oklahoma, Texas, uh, I want to start with the Olympics because I'm convinced what Michael Phelps did throughout his Olympic career mm. is truly unbelievable and remarkable. And I'm convinced that I'm reminded of this because this morning I was all excited. I went to bed last night. I paused the Olympics because Katie Ledecky was about to race. And so this morning I grabbed Maddie. She was sitting in my lap. We were all ready to watch Katie Ledecky, the dominant Olympic swimmer, bring home the gold. And what did she do? She finished second. She won the silver, which is incredible. She's a great swimmer. Awesome. But when Michael Phelps was in his prime, oh. he was winning gold. He won eight gold. in one Olympics. It, 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 he was it's just it's just unbelievable. And and so it's so hard to win gold. It's so hard to be that consistent. It's so yeah. hard to, to be in all of those events during the same Olympics. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, Katie Ledecky, she's up against it. It's just a lot. It's a lot on her shoulders. She's, she's a lot of hype. And she she swam a great race. She lost it at the very end. She was actually in the lead for for uh, the majority of it. Early she wasn't, but then kind of she took over uh, probably lane, uh, lap four or five, and then she lost it in in, in lap eight, which was a six. It was a for for us in normal pools sixteen laps for the Olympic pool is eight mm-hmm. laps. Um. So so anyway, I, I was all I was bummed because I was watching with Maddie here. I'm sharing. Here's Katie Ledecky. Yo, come on! And Maddie was getting into the race, and then Katie let us down. So. Without criticizing Katie too much, it's more just kind of recognizing Michael Phelps and, and what he did in the pool. So there you go. That is so true because Katie Ledecky, I mean, world-renowned, possibly best swimmer, and of so much hype, and nothing yeah. against her. Silver silver medals still oh, remarkable, unbelievable. But no, that's true. Michael Phelps, probably untouchable. I mean, it's just ridiculous. And then you think of a, a gal like Allison Felix in her fifth Olympics. It's 20 years, 20 oh. years of sustained excellence to be able to your body to be able to do that. That's just that's just ridiculous. So my I'm convinced possible teaser for a later segment, but also not at the same time. And this is this is an obvious one, but it needs to be restated. I am convinced that rivalry games are great for sports. And some people like to run away from them, but I think they're incredible. So my first example, I've been watching, I've been getting into some, uh, I've been getting into soccer lately, which is, I watched, uh, do what? (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) So on Amazon, they have these series called All or Nothing. It's It's kind of like Hard Knocks but they have them for different teams besides NFL teams. So I just watched one on Manchester City, an English Premier League team. And I'm trying to get into the world of soccer, but Manchester City has a rival, Manchester United, that they play twice a year. And in that game, no matter what, no matter how successful or unsuccessful each team is having that season, that game means so much. And if they win that rivalry game, 
there is there is an element of success that season, which is incredible. Rivalry games give you things to play for, even if you are not even close to be able to be to play for a championship game. But to have that rivalry game every year, think of all sports. Think of your favorite team. You look forward to that to playing your rival. And even if you are horrendous that year, if you beat them, <laughs> it's there a is a, there's an element of that season had success. Yep. So this has application later in the show. But it's just it's just a good reminder, and in soccer especially. And I I I am a fan of teams that don't necessarily have rivals, which is kind of unfortunate. Mm. So I really I almost envy my buddies who are fans of teams that have a clear, like cutthroat rivalry game for their favorite team, which is incredible. Yes. No, I get it. Cause I, I'm a Duke basketball fan. And so of course Duke oh, Carolina yeah. is the is the best rivalry in sports, right? Um, but then, you know, with, with my school App State, uh, because we left the conference, we we left one double A to to go play with what we thought were the big boys. Now we don't know what's going on with the big boys, but um, we're going to be left behind. Unfortunately, I don't know what's going to happen now, but, um, but yeah, but now the app doesn't really have that, that same rival It used to be Western Carolina. And then now we're not in the same conference with them and they're in a different league and division altogether. So, so when uh, you were in college, Western Carolina, it was Western. Yep. But even then we were dominating them, but, but it was still, it was still a rivalry and they, they've gotten us over the years, played for a jug and all that kind of thing. So yeah, yeah no, I'm right there with you. So that sets up the, the, the next conversation and the big conversation for today. And that of course is to me, this is just monster news in sports because there are so many ripple effects with Texas and Oklahoma officially declaring that once their deal with the big 12 expires in 2020, 24 i guess in 2025 uh they can join another conference which all indications it will be the sec um let's see in 2025 so i don't know what season i guess it's 2025 is when they can actually join another conference so college football is is changing so rapidly right now because we just had the the name image likeness which we've already heard you know players making a million bucks and, and, and big time, you know, college athletes now will, will be able to capitalize on their platform and, and whether they're at Alabama or Clemson or, you know, Michigan, big schools, uh, they're gonna make a ton of money. Now we're going to have the sec even more dominant than, than what it has been. And, and now the questions become, okay, what happens to the big 12? Where does that go? How will the ACC try to respond? How will the Big Ten try to respond to this? And I was reading this morning all about the, the TV ramifications of, of, of really why this is happening. And apparently, Texas and Oklahoma will be able to make even more money in, in the SEC. And, and, and the, the Texas network, Longhorn network, will kind of get wrapped up into the SEC network. And ESPN drives the sports world. It's, it's phenomenal to think about, and, and I, it's just, yeah, it's, it's wild. They're the ones that, that, that want, they, they're going to own the SEC, so they're going to have all the rights to all, the, all of the games, and so now all of the biggest matchups in, in college football will all be on ESPN, ABC um, moving forward once they snag Texas and Oklahoma. And so that basically, so CBS, remember, we used to always watch the SEC on CBS. That's yeah. now done. 
and then you pull off Texas and Oklahoma, which they were big draws on Fox. Now they're now they're they'll be with ESPN and the SEC moving forward. So that's just an interesting part of it. So ESPN is driving this, and so now the they'll be able ESPN will be able to make more money, and and then of course all these these schools being a part of the same conference will be able to make money. And so I guess the the the, the one question is ESPN's banking on college football fans continuing to be as diehard as we are now. But I just wonder the more that you mess with college football and college sports are all about tradition. And you talked about the rivalries and you know, our loyalty is very deep to our, our college team, especially when you go to a college. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And so it's hard to mess with that fully, but the name image likeness changes all of that. Did you hear me talk about that? Uh, none of it. Okay. So, yeah. So, you know, the, now that, that athletes are able to, to make money in college, that changes what college football is. Like, it, they're just a lot of ripple effects. So, now ESPN is banking on, you know, a few seasons from now in 2025 that all of these, these viewers are still going to be around. Yeah. And it's just interesting to, to, to wonder, okay, how, how does college football, do college football fans stick around? And, yep. and what will continue, to, will that bond, that blood that we have for our favorite team still be there if now all of a sudden Texas is playing against uh, Vanderbilt, right, in the mm-hmm. SEC and, and Texas versus Kentucky and, and all that sort of thing. Um, so that's that's kind of my, my, my question with it. Um, I mean, it's just massive. Also, just to decide, gosh, I miss – I mean, from from my perspective, the afternoon CBS SEC game, unbelievable with Vern Lundquist and Gary Danielson. Oh, iconic. Those are great games. Yeah. The whole Texas to OU SEC, I mean, all of it is just about money. So, like, it's not – if you're a sports purist, it's not about we've got to get the better teams all together. Oh, we've got to renew these rivalries. It's all about money. It is. Texas and OU see that SEC is where the money's at. Especially, like, okay. Texas know you're looking at the writing on the wall. They're in the Big 12. Now there's the name, image, likeness. That changes recruiting. There Now there's up- upcoming new television media rights deals. SEC has the money. SEC has been having more success. Texas and OU see, okay, we've got a chance. We've got to move to the SEC. That's where the money is. SEC looks at Texas and OU, and they see, wow, these guys can bring in a lot of money. So both <clears throat> bring each other money. Now, you have a few teams, obviously, that don't want them. A&M hates Texas. They don't want Texas in the SEC. Uh, Missouri probably – Missouri doesn't like Texas very much. They left the Big 12 to go to the SEC as well, just like A&M. Uh, and Arkansas probably doesn't like Texas that, that much. OU is probably more neutral <clears throat> in the eyes of SEC teams, but it's all about money. So it's not about sports. So let's not pretend this is about good sport sporting events. It's <laughs> well, all it's all about money. In the eighties, they see we can make more money with Texas and OU and the SEC, which is absolutely true. As a side effect, though, for the sports purists out there, it's going to bring incredible football. If you can figure out how to do it, because there would be 16 teams in the SEC, which is absurd. And now now it's and it's be Power 4. There's no Power 5 anymore. The Big 12 would not be a Power 5 conference. 
So I feel bad for the Big 12 because they're basically just getting they're they're getting the very bad luck here because without Texas and OU, they're not a Power Five conference, and then other schools are going to look to flee, or they have to add, maybe join the AAC. The AAC, I don't know what goes on the Big 12, but but it's interesting. Yeah. So so I'm I'm more of an NFL fan than a college football fan. Right. I've made that that evident, but I love college football. It's great. You know, it's, it's a ton of fun on Saturdays. I'm just if I if I have to choose, I'm going to choose Sunday in the NFL. Yeah. Sit down, turn on a little NFL red zone. You're good that's right. I love the red zone. I love fancy football. So that's to me, that's what like keeps me going. But what's so interesting is like whenever I hear people complain about the NFL, like to me, the NFL is what it is. And we don't pretend like it is about money. Like guys, players are are selfish. They want to make more money. And you almost like, you just accept it and you put up with it. Whereas in college sports for a long time, we've almost been in denial. And like, oh, we, yeah. we pretend that it's this, this pure, perfect sport. And, you know, we like deep down know it, but we just kind of brush it aside. Whereas now to me, it's like, so you have to choose. Are you just going to embrace it the way that us NFL fans do? You can't live in ignorance anymore. It is about money and, and all that sort of thing. So uh, that's what I'm, I'm curious about. Just does the, the, the college football following, is it still as, as intense and exciting? And does this, does this actually intensify it? Does the SEC getting better and with ESPN taking it over, does it actually raise the whole profile of, of the sport and the interest and, Maybe now we get even better matchups throughout the season and, and some of those those dud weeks uh, because the Big 12 isn't as deep as the SEC. Um, and so Texas and Oklahoma kind of beat up on most teams. That won't necessarily, even though I use the Vanderbilt example, other than Vanderbilt and, and maybe Kentucky. Yeah. Um, and you know, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, those kind of go up and down. But Things, um, everything changes, though. Texas and OU to SEC, everything changes. That certainly changes the 12-team college football playoff proposal because now with the SEC will look drastically different. There's no way you can just keep going, oh, yeah, let's just keep full marching ahead to 12-team college football playoff. You have to basically almost go back to square one with that, in my opinion, because the SEC is so different now with 16 teams and how you figure out who, who can qualify, how to even figure out a schedule. Now the... Like I said, probably the Big 12 is decimated with Texas and OU leaving. So that changes Power 5, Power 4, the the state of conferences. It's wild. Now, let me get put on my a- Texas A&M hat on here. I, will, I, I certainly am not speaking for all A&M fans because definitely completely disunified on this. Yeah, so all right, so for those Luke draft uh, drafted, uh, graduated. He was drafted out of Texas A and M by us here at Unpacking It. First round uh, pick. We drafted him in the first round. Um, all right, so you went there. So yeah, Texas A and M. They appear to be the one school that does not want this to happen with Texas and and Oklahoma. So where do you come out on that? And go ahead. I think it's so soft, so bonkers. <laughs> it feels like this is. This is painting in broad, in broad brushstrokes. It feels like older A&M fans do not want it. Mm-hmm. And younger A&M fans want Texas in the SEC. People in my age group, t- on average, want A&M and Texas to play. Because we grew up 
in the very end of the A&M and Texas rivalry, which goes back over 100 years. And we want to see that game because it's it's a legitimate rival. And as an A&M fan, we don't play a rival. People try to say, oh, well, LSU's a rival, Arkansas. No, that's no not even close. They have way bigger priorities on their mind than us. We don't play a rival, which was what I was saying earlier. What makes supporting a team even better is when you have a rival you get to play every year. A&M doesn't have that, not even close. Texas is that for us, and we would get to play Texas when they, if they officially join the SEC, which is great. A lot of older A&M fans, I've been hearing a lot of, oh, we don't want to associate with Texas. Oh, well, we left the SEC. Well, we're not the little brother anymore. Okay, come on. Let's play the game. We want to play them. That's a rival. That would be incredible. Yeah. I don't care if, oh, well, what, are they, what, what if they steal our recruits? Come on. I mean, this is what sports needs, a great rivalry game. So I'm all for it. I'm all for Texas and OU coming to the SEC. But the SEC better figure out and better realize that there is a ripple effect that changes the entire collegiate football landscape. Yeah. Yeah. And the NCAA also better realize that. That they just can't pretend that everything's the same if Texas to know you join the SEC because it, it actually changes everything. It is absolutely fascinating. That's why I find this to just be such a such a huge story. And so let's jump into unpack <clears throat> excuse me, unpack this and 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 take a look at at this story from a, a spiritual standpoint and from a, a biblical standpoint. And and there there are multiple kind of angles and parallels that that we can take a look at today because the, 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 some of the words and, and things that popped into my, my, my mind thinking about this, the idea that, that you're joining another conference. And, and when you join, that means you're leaving behind. And, and so in life, when, when we have this invitation that, that Jesus says, come and, and follow me, and, and we, we become a part of God's family, we join his family. Well, we have to leave behind our our history, uh, some of our traditions, in order to to, to be a part of uh, th- this this new family of believers. And and so it's a it's a powerful you know kingdom and eternity with God, and 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 we get to be joined to Him and with Him, uh, which is absolutely wonderful. But but it does require us leaving behind, and and the and the. You know, sometimes there are ripple effects by by leaving behind our former life. Um, but the but the great thing is we get to be a part of a, a quote unquote better conference, right? When when we when we join God's family, and and so I think oftentimes we have to decide: Are we going to focus on everything that we're gaining in Christ versus oh, like looking back and and thinking about what we might be losing? And I think oftentimes people do that. They're like, ooh, I, I don't want to go all in with Jesus because I, I don't want to you know, lose this, this little aspect of my life. And, and so you know, Texas and Oklahoma, they've been in this decision-making process. Are we going to focus on everything we're going to gain or are we going to hold back and, and think about what we might lose by leaving the Big 12? Um, and so... The, the other kind of aspect of this is, you know, when you think about marriage, you know, leaving and cleaving and, and being joined with your wife. And, and so you kind of leave your, your, your family behind to a certain extent and, and really cleave to your 
to your wife and you become one and 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 it's a wonderful bond that that is uh extremely special and and so that's the process that that must take place and then the the other parallel to this this idea of Texas and Oklahoma losing is counting the cost and and so we talked about the 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 money behind this this decision that that both teams are are making um and then ultimately how it affects the whole sport and, and both conferences, but there's, they're counting the cost. They're, they're determining, okay, will we, will we make more money? What is it going to cost us to leave? There, there, there's going to, uh, you know, be ramifications of some of the other deals that they've had and all that sort of thing that they'll have to, to, to figure out. But for us today, the, the question of counting the cost also gets brought up because the life with Christ does cost us something. The, the wonderful free gift of salvation and grace that, that, that God shows us through Jesus when he died on the cross for us and that we receive that freely, not based on anything we do, did do, or anything like that. It is a free gift. But as we live here on earth, it does cost us something. It, it can cost us our, our reputation. It can cost us being comfortable. It may cost us money. Because we we're now not as driven by the the things of this world and the world worldly pursuits, which oftentimes is is money, and so sometimes it costs us that. It can cost us certain relationships that we have to let go of. And think about Texas and Oklahoma. Some of those relationships with those schools in the Big Twelve, they're having to leave those behind. It's going to cost them some relationships. Might cost them some fans. Um, but they, they've they've counted the cost and, and have said, all right. We want to join the SEC, and we're going to embrace and enjoy all that the SEC offers and not look back and go all in. And so the question for us today, have we counted the cost? Are we following Jesus? And, and are we embracing all that we gain in him? And so let me read a couple, couple verses here. Um, and so in Romans eight seventeen, it says, And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. Let that set in. I mean, that's a, that's a profound uh, statement there, heirs. Um, and, and then, and so the inheritance that we have as children of God, just incredible. And then it also says, but if we are to share his glory, we must also, also share his suffering. And, and so that's part of the, uh, the life of, of believers as we, we walk this earth. Suffering is going to be a part of the deal. And oftentimes we don't talk about that. We don't focus on that. Uh, but that's that's part of the, the this process. Um, and so in order to be a, a true follower of Jesus, we have to give up our own way. We have to, to sacrifice our comfort and, and, and let go of our worldly desires, love him more than anything, and, and, and really you know, join with his family. Um, and so are we willing to count the cost of being his disciple and, and, then, and then commit? And, and so I'll, I'll pause there, Luke, and, and let you jump in. Yeah, that's such a good point. This is, this is really important to discuss right now in our culture. And we've talked about this before. And this, what I'm about to say sounds cliche because it's, it's starting to be said a lot. But this idea of Jesus is Savior and Jesus is Lord. He has to be both. Like that's who Jesus is to us. But a lot of people only view Jesus as Savior. And okay, yeah, yeah, I believe. 
Yeah, I, I believe Jesus is the Son of God. I believe He died for my sins, uh, and and that and that's it. And a lot of it's easy to adopt this idea of cheap grace. And Paul hits at this in Romans five and six. This idea of should I keep on sinning to get more grace? Is by no means. I mean, we we've been given new life. We have died to self. We are under grace. That being under grace causes us to pursue faithfulness, not, okay, well, yeah, Jesus died for me. I'm going to keep living my own life, keep doing my own thing, because, yeah, Jesus has saved me. I mean, that is, that's missing the point completely. Jesus is Lord. In the Gospels, in Luke 9, Jesus says, take up your cross daily. That, in that context, Jesus saying to take up your cross is a daunting statement. Because we view the cross, rightfully so, as a message of atonement. The cross is a symbol of peace. The cross is a symbol of hope. When Jesus was walking the earth, the cross was a symbol of death and execution. Mm. It was the most gruesome, horrific way to die in the ancient world. Hanging up on a cross, suffocating... I mean, I mean, it it was a disaster, and people would, the when the Romans would force the people they would execute to carry their cross mm. to the hill that they would be hung on the cross. Gosh! So Jesus is telling his disciples, "If you want to be my disciple, take up your cross daily." That means ultimate surrender. Mm. That means, are you willing to die for me? Are you willing to give up everything? Mm. Taking up your cross is not say that. I died for you, and you believe in me, and then you don't surrender at all. Now, as an as an as a side point here, obviously taking up your cross daily does not advocate for works based righteousness, because the scripture is clear that's by faith alone that we're attributed the righteousness of Christ. But there is this command to be sanctified, to follow Jesus. Believing in Jesus is also actually like surrendering to Him. It's not this passive, oh, I, this knowledge of who he is, and then you don't turn your life over. Part of a genuine response to Christ is, I following you. I surrender to you. I am willing to give up everything, and that's hard, and we'll never be perfect at it. But we need to re- realize that following Christ is surrendering and taking up our cross, and are we willing to give up even things that appear good for the sake of Christ. And and that's that that's why the, this parallel with with Texas and Oklahoma leaving like they're they're seeing the benefits and and all the opportunity and and the the, the wonderful things that come with joining the the SEC. And so we absolutely have to see the the wonderful life that Jesus invites us into to have peace, to have joy uh, to, to have hope in him. And even if we do suffer and even if we, we you know, the sacrifices that we, ha- we have to make, you're talking about taking up our cross daily, that's, that's nothing compared to being able to, to, to have our soul rest mm-hmm. in God, to, to know that, that we yeah. know him, he knows us, that we are in him, he is in us, that, that anything else just pales in comparison to that. Yeah. But to your point, and I want this, this. These are a couple of verses I wanted to share today. As far as this counting the cost, it, this is a serious thing. So, 
what you were saying is right on because this is what Jesus says. Uh, a large crowd was following Jesus. He turned around and said to them, if you want to be my disciple, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else. Your father, mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. But don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there is enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money, and then everyone would laugh at you. They would say, there's the person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. And, and so, you know, again, Oklahoma, Texas, they counted the cost. They joined the SEC. For us, we've got we've to count the cost and, and, and understand what it means to, to really follow Jesus and then to go all in. And, yeah. and to love him more than anything else, even our own lives. And I, and I love that point. It's worth it. The whole point of us even discussing this is it's worth it. The counting the cost. Yeah. You count it, and it's worth it every time. Yes. Texas, Texas yes. know you. It's worth it joining the SEC. Yeah. It's worth it. For us, it is worth Amen. taking up our cross daily. Yep. It is so worth it. It's challenging. It's challenging. Very challenging. Definitely. The world's pulling at us. So. Well, I'm I'm right there with you as a as a listener. I'm I'm walking this journey with you. It is costly. It is costly to follow Christ. Yeah, but it's daily, worth it. the daily surrender. Amen. So, uh, hopefully that that connects and uh, is encouraging to all of us today uh, to to follow Jesus, take up our cross, count the cost, and and consider: Do we love Him more than anything and anyone? Which is uh, which is challenging, even more than sports. Um, so that's, uh, so yeah, so there you go. That's unpack this. That'll go out in email form later today. You can subscribe on unpackingit.com and check that out. All right. If you have any thoughts on the, the OU Texas, uh, leaving the big 12, join the sec. You can leave your comments anywhere you're listening right now. Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, Twitter, YouTube, uh, we'll see those comments. Uh, but also because we're, uh, we only come here on Mondays doing this show. Uh, I did want to get back to the NBA finals a little bit. Just to touch on it briefly, uh, Luke, because both you and I are, are huge NBA fans, and I just was so thrilled with the way the finals finished up and the performance from Giannis and, and the way that this whole team was constructed to think that, that they, you know, they draft Giannis and, and Middleton and add the right pieces around those guys. They, they suffered through some, some losing seasons to then emerge as NBA champions. And, and a couple of the storylines that came out from this um, follow, following the, the win that I want to touch on. One, the idea that people are putting an asterisk on them because of injuries to other teams, I, I don't buy. I, I'm not doing that. I'm not, I'm not going through all the years of NBA champions to say, oh, well, the only reason they won is because this happened to that team. That's such a, that's to me, just such a dumb take the, the nets. You, you know why they weren't healthy because James Harden is more worried about shenanigans and he didn't show up to, <laughs> to Houston in shape because he wanted to be traded. And then it, it, it affected them in the playoffs and he pulled a hammy, you know, or in the season uh, and he couldn't get healthy before the playoffs. So don't, I don't want to hear that. All right. The bucks were healthy and, and Giannis's ability to get healthy and his ability to keep his body in such tip-top shape that he was able to overcome that, that injury, um, the hyperextended knee. So good for the Bucs. That was awesome. 
Um, and then the the other storyline, you know, is this the start of a dynasty for the Bucks, or are they a one hit wonder? And and for me, I midway through the series, I was like, I feel like they're going to be a one hit wonder. I was like, even if they win this, I just don't think that they can do it. But after that performance from Giannis and his ability to hit free throws when it mattered, now he needs to hit them all the time. But but if that's the case, and he had a breakthrough with his free throw shooting and his ability to score in the paint, and like I've been harping on week after week, stop shooting threes, get in the paint. If that continues, the Bucks absolutely can be a dynasty. Now, there's no guarantees, and we talked about that last week. You know, you talk about the, the Chiefs and, oh, they're going to win seven Super Bowls. Well, no, who knows? A lot of, a lot of factors. But can, can I see it? Can Giannis win, win three in a row? Absolutely. He can carry a team offensively and defensively. They just play hard. And they're the, they're the right pieces. They all they, they fit together really well. Now they'll have to add some other role players in the offseason, and, and championship teams can do that even you know, a little bit easier once you get that first win. Um, so this idea that all of a sudden the, the Nets are going to, oh, yeah, the Nets are the team to beat next year. No, they're not. The Nets, stop with the Nets. If I hear one more thing about the Nets, go watch the Olympics and go watch Kevin Durant leading the Olympic team, right? I mean, I, so don't get me started on all that. But um, – but, but anyway, the, the, and Kyrie Irving and the net, come on, stop. The Bucks are awesome. Way to go on, on winning it. And, and they're the team to beat next year, too. The Lakers will be better because LeBron is still one of the best players. Um, but Giannis right now, he is the best because he plays defense. He stays healthy. He's a leader. People respond to him. He's humble. And he's 26 years old. So there yeah. you go. That's my final take on the finals. So I have... I have come a long, nah, not a long way. I have changed in my perspective on injuries. I have come closer to your vantage point. So probably prior to the previous few months, I always got caught up in, gosh, if this team was just healthy, they would yep. have won. Oh, they're obviously the better team. Because I hate when teams who have a great chance at a championship – don't get it done because of an injury. Mm. And a team, like this season, the Nuggets. When Jamal Murray went down and tore his ACL, I was sickened for Nuggets fans. To have an MVP joker, Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr. playing great. Like, they were playing awesome. And then for your one of your best players to go down with what I think would, what I thought at the moment would be a fluke injury. It's just, I, I hate when that happens. I hate when that happens. But I have developed, <laughs> developed, I sound, I sound like on my high horse over here. I have developed more accurate oh. opinion. <laughs> I have, I, I have, I, I have changed my perspective on, there is a certain skill. Now, this isn't always true, but there is a certain skill in staying healthy and being able to recover from injuries. Now, obviously, there's always going to be fluke injuries. Gordon Hayward, I don't care what grade of shape you're in, that's going to happen. That's not something that how you're do, what you're doing in the gym necessarily is going to translate. That was just a fluke. But Giannis being able to come back a week after a hyperextended knee, and they were saying this on the broadcast, is a direct result from what he does in the gym to get his body right, to be able to respond better to injuries, to prevent injuries. There is so much preventative work that goes on in the weight room, yeah, in the gym absolutely. to prevent injuries. That is 100% true. So 
I, I'm starting to feel less sorry for teams where where injuries take them out. Now, I don't know where I stand necessarily on the Toronto Golden State series because I don't know. Clay yeah, is no, a, I, Clay, I hear you. The Clay torn ACL. Yeah. I don't know what necessarily how to think about the KD Achilles thing. But I agree with you. At the end of the day, regardless of what you say, it is hard to win a championship. It's hard to stay healthy. So don't knock a team for being the one that stayed healthy. And the Bucks weren't people saying, oh well, yeah, the Nets the Nets were injured, so it didn't count. I mean, again, let's look at Giannis came back from an injury. They fought through it. Okay. They won the championship. I don't think it's a dynasty though. So I I don't that's, think it's a dynasty. That's fine. Got it gotta do more, but to me, he's 26 years old. And so Which is crazy. That's yeah, actually I mean, insane. Be, and he actually gets better. So he's, he's we've seen throughout his career, he actually gets he's better. He's a Hall of Fame career already. Two MVPs, NBA Finals, NBA Finals MVP, Defensive Player, player of the Year, most yeah. approved. Unbelievable. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And, and one other thing, hopefully this shows general managers you don't have to go into free agency and build super teams. You can actually have homegrown talent. You can actually be in a small market and draft well, draft the right guys. And sure, you can add a guy like Drew Holiday, and you you add a piece here or there. That's that's part of building a roster. But but I, as a Charlotte Hornets fan in a smaller market, this gives me hope with Milwaukee winning it. Let's build around Ball. Yeah. Let's add his brother. <laughs> you see that Lamelo's coming, uh, or uh, Leandro Leang Leang. What is his name? Double the other called Jello. Jello. Oh yeah, Jello. Oh my goodness. Um, so anyway, that's a side side note for the the to Hornets. Your, to but, your point, though, I don't think big market teams look at what the Bucks just did and said, "Okay, we got to do that." Big market teams. I mean, at the end of the day, loading up super teams works best because if you look at the pre, the past fifteen years, it, no, it, it's e- no. it's easy. I, it's easier no. if you're a big market to load up a super team. It's easier Dude. to do that, but as a small market. What you're saying, there is hope for small markets. But even then, the the Lakers, even though technically the Hornets drafted Kobe Bryant, but the Lakers drafted Kobe Bryant. That, I mean, essentially, Dallas. Oh, yeah. Even though Dallas didn't actually draft Dirk, they actually drafted Dirk just because yeah. of day trades or draft day trades. And and Tim Duncan in San Antonio. Like these are the teams that that oh, the Warriors they drafted Curry, Clay, and Draymond. So that's, that's who fair. that's who that's who wins the Heat. Dwayne Wade. So you've got even Cleveland, they actually won with LeBron. They drafted LeBron. He left and came back. But you want to draft. So that's why Thursday, the draft is important. No, the it, draft absolutely the, matters. The idea I that you're just going to go buy a, a, a team, a super team, I, I just don't think that that's, that's always the case. Now, the Lakers with LeBron and AD absolutely did that. It, 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 and, and LeBron has that kind of ability. Um, and it was the bubble year, which I'm not going to throw an asterisk, but it was just a different type of setup that year that allowed them to do that. But I still lean toward build through the draft, get your core guy, build around him. And, and that's my favorite thing. And we've seen it work over and over. And I don't know why so many teams get away from that. Um, so. It's just hard. It's just hard because I mean, patient. Cause teams are trying. Like, I don't think Charlotte saw Milwaukee and said, Oh wait, we can build around. We can build around a superstar. I, I I don't at least from Dallas perspective I don't think Dow I don't think Mark Cuban is looking at Milwaukee and said oh wait yeah we should totally load up talent around Luca 
Like they, he knows that, but I hope that Mark Cuban now has confidence, which he should because he literally did it 10 years ago. But to say, we've got to do it now. We have our superstar that we drafted. I mean, by golly, do everything you can now to win because yeah. there's no that. time to wait. No, I, I, I get that. But they got to find a good running mate for for Luca. Come on. It, it's like his age and Bradley and Beal, come to Dallas. I mean, Bradley yeah. Beal, I'm summoning you. <laughs> I don't know if you I don't know if you want Bradley Beal. I'm not I, I, I he seems like a nice guy, but I don't know if that translates. I, I really don't. Another guy on this Olympic team. It's so frustrating. Oh, uh, yeah. We won't even go there. We won't go there today. Hopefully they, <laughs> they bounce back. But I've kind of been a, on a roll with my takes. My I'm convinced. We, we need to keep you've, a, you've been dominating. Yeah, you've been dominating. We got to get a running tally here. Not, not too bad. Um, all right. So before we jump into tap drill and, and say hello to Henry. So I, after the show, I'm going to lunch. One of my good buddies, we're, we're grabbing lunch. And, and a lot of times I'll let the other guy choose where we go to lunch. So selfless of you. Well, I'm very easygoing <laughs> when it comes to eating. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good. Like I like most food. Most restaurants, I'm not like overly fussy. He just texted me during the show. He said, what about Panera? Oh, <laughs> what about Panera? We're not going to Panera. <laughs> so, so he's done the research to figure out, okay, you know, we got to go to a good spot in between. Hey, hey, I, I, I've got an idea. What about Panera? <laughs> Panera? What am I going to get a Panera? Like a tiny salad for $15. <laughs> I'm going to get a little bowl of soup for $25. Ooh, you get to have the bread, though. The, the soup comes the bread in a bowl. bread bowl. Get the bread get bowl. Bread. And we'll give you a side of bread. So you get a bread bowl with a side of bread. No, no, no. Hold the bread. Hold the apple. Give me a real meal heel here. Give me something. Panera. So this is a test. Are you going to go through with it? Or are you calling the audible? I'm calling you, the audible. You call the audible. I have to put my foot down on this. <laughs> now, when when Jody was pregnant the first time around with Maddie, we did a lot of Panera, and I sacrificed for Jody because that's what she was craving. <laughs> I'm not sacrificing for Chris. I'm sorry, Chris. I, I'm not doing it. I'm, I, we're going somewhere with a delicious meal. I can't. I can't be doing Panera. I'm sorry, Panera. They will so, not be sponsoring the show because I don't want them to sponsor the show because I don't want to tell people to go to Panera. Is that is that fair? <laughs> So what what is it that people like about Panera? So what does Jody like about Panera? Because anytime my sister loves Panera, Madeline loves Panera, oh. and they love the Madeline has a an, this salad that she loves there, and then my sister has this soup, and then this little sandwich that she loves. The, the key there, little. Everything is so little. It's little and overpriced. The food tastes fine. It's not. It's not bad. It does. Food, it does taste fine. But it's. It, but it's just. It's unacceptable portions. So I'm yeah, a, I'm a grown man. I if I'm gonna if I'm gonna get a salad, it better be a huge salad. Huge, like the sign. We need a Seinfeld. We need a big salad. Big salad. Big salad. Big salad. So, so I, I won't. I won't get on my soapbox here, but I have. I will quickly say that I have a ginormous problem with restaurants who give minuscule portions. Yeah. I mean, it, it is actually heresy to go <laughs> as a side to go to a steakhouse and buy a four ounce filet mignon for $55. Yeah. It's always price like price and size. Like proportion. what are we doing here and going yeah. to a restaurant 
I'm trying to come here to satisfy my hunger. I'm not coming here to spend money. That, I'm not going here, oh, yeah, I'm going to go to Panera. Yeah, I'd like to go spend money there. No, I'd like to go satisfy my hunger here for limited amounts of dollars. I want to go to a plate, which has caused me to overcorrect in some circumstances where I go extreme quantity over quality and to a place like CeCe's. I love CeCe's <laughs> because I I can eat it. I can – I can still around? Oh, my gosh. I can set up shop for wow. easily two and a half hours. Stuff my face. Cinnamon rolls. Big old plate of ranch dressing to dip my pizza in. The breadsticks. Man, I, I mean that, that right there is where I am team. I have got to just get so full. And I'll sacrifice quality. But I will, I will, I'm way more likely to go quantity over quality. So, yeah, Panera is never my go-to. I agree no, with you. Minuscule portions. So, yeah, so I, I need to take care of this debacle. Um, I don't, but see, now the problem is I'm, I'm going to have to come up with a solution. Because if you say, hey, I don't want to do Panera, now I've got to come up with something else. So that's that's always the tricky part. But I got to go true. research. And, you know, I, I get lunch regularly. Um, you do. I mean, you, lunch are, you, lunch. Are, you are a lunch aficionado. Yeah. So I love, I love yeah. lunchtime. So, um <laughs> So now I'm ready. I'm ready to go. But let's do tap drill before we get out of here. Uh, let's say hello to Henry. We got some great topics today. Henry, how are you, man? Jump right in. What's going on, boys? And as as the resident big man here at Unpacking It, you remember those <laughs> those fun size candies that say fun size, and they really weren't the fun size. They were like this big, tiny size. Yeah, it's yeah. not fun. Nothing it, fun not- about that. It cannot be fun size if it isn't fun for everybody. That's right. If it's not the size of your hand, it ain't fun. All right? right. All right. So let's get into tap drill real quick. And now the first tap is is uh, deals with uh, our resident quarterback, Tom Brady, and the new Tom Brady, who seems to be all over social media. Did you catch him in the video? If you haven't seen the video, definitely YouTube it, Google it whatever your favorite social or research platform is, he's throwing a football into a jugs machine. Literally takes it from 15 yards out, throw it into the jugs machine, and it spits it right back at him. So, boys, is this real or is this just Memorex? To me, like the video, it looks legit, but it's like it's hard to believe. But at the same time, Tom Brady is this good, this disciplined, and if that's like his drill, I'm sure he's gotten that good at it. So, oh, what are we doing here? He There's no way. He There's no way. The thing, maybe not. But I think he can actually throw in the middle of it. Absolutely. Oh, I mean, I'm buying that aspect of the video. We are overselling Tom Brady here because I don't think. You first can. of all, the ball stayed in there for two seconds it's coming straight out if he oh, actually that's throws fair. it in. that's a good point that's a good it point. reminds me of the uh the old draft me fantasy football commercials do you remember that where they would do these yeah. like jason campbell he would like he would uh throw these crazy there's all these photoshopped videos it was probably like eight years ago it was basically these these funny commercials them doing very fake things but amazing things and saying that's why you should draft me for fantasy. Uh, that's that's pretty, what this looks for Tom. Looks like for Tom Brady. Hey, at least he's at least he's having fun. Like, good for him. He he's is good really, around. He's doing he's a social media. He's a social he's like, media powerhouse right now. He's like Phil Mickelson, like the old guys on social media. Like, man, old guys on social media is a dangerous game, though. So um, I'm I'm glad I'm glad he's having success there. 
2021 version or 2022 version of Tom Brady is like is like uh, social media gold. As soon as he gets out of New England, the man is talking junk and smack to everybody. And speaking of and speaking of talking smack, Madden the Madden uh, ratings week is this week. Madden ratings come out, and we have our first look at the Madden 99 Club. And the first member revealed of the Madden 99 Club is Green Bay wide receiver Devontae Adams. Mm. What you guys think of the Madden 99 Club, and who do you think should be on the Madden 99 Club? So, unfortunately, I, I don't have time or don't make time to play Madden anymore. Fun game. Loved it growing up. Uh, but I do think the ratings are, are interesting because there's like a whole process to it. It's very in-depth and, and they, you know, my, my one brother who does play, he like knows how good players are in the league based on Madden ratings, but they're pretty, you know, legit. Um, so as far as the, you know, 99s, meaning the best players in the league. Yeah. I think Devontae Adams is the, the, the best receiver, uh, in the league. You know, I would put him and, and Hopkins, um, I'd probably put those two, those two as the, the two best receivers as, as far as if I'm rating them. Um, other guys are maybe more accomplished and that sort of thing. But uh, yeah. but anyway, yeah, that's that's where I would go from a wide receiver standpoint. I don't know who else made this year's 99 club, but but I'm good with Devontae Adams. I mean, Aaron Donald's got to be in it every year. I mean, he's absolute force to be reckoned with. OK, my my question back to you guys is when was the last time there was a clear best receiver in the NFL? Because I can I can acknowledge and I can honor someone who says Devontae Adams, but I don't think he's clearly the best receiver. Like they're they're almost like this upper echelon of six guys, it feels like, that you can make the case that are the best receiver. But I don't know if there's a clear number one. I think the the last time there was a clear number one is probably Calvin Johnson, who mm-hmm. was clearly in another in another level. But I don't know if there is one right now. Now, I don't know if they did it back then, but I would think Jerry Rice would have been an, a clear-cut 99, yes. 99 Madden club guy, guy. But Calvin Johnson would be another one. That's what That would be one of my picks. Outside of that, yeah, I like the Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald has to, has to be up there. Will we think of uh, our drama king, Aaron Rodgers, to be up there? I mean, off an MVP season, that's uh... – he still throws arguably the prettiest ball, the most accurate. His ability to find windows is just ridiculous. You want to talk about a dude that can throw a ball into a, the thing that Tom Brady was doing? Your boy Aaron Rodgers has been a Cowboys heartbreaker that I've seen too many times. So, unfortunately, probably a 99 guy. Uh, 96. We'll give him 96. <laughs> All right, boys, staying in the NFL, uh, we have at this point coming into the 2021 season, we have 12 teams that have yet to win a Super Bowl. The Houston Texans, the Detroit Lions, the Carolina Panthers, sorry, Bryce, the Atlanta Falcons, the Cincinnati Bengals, the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Los Angeles Chargers, the Arizona Cardinals, the Minnesota Vikings, the Tennessee Titans, the Cleveland Browns, and of course, the Buffalo Bills. So of this group, who is the next team to win their first Super Bowl? Wow. So I think the obvious choice is the Bills. But I will say uh, I will say the Titans. I think I think the Titans could do it. I like Vrabel a lot. 
And I think Tannehill's really underrated. So that's a possibility. I could see the Titans get it done. Derrick Henry. Uh, I, yeah, I wouldn't be shocked by that one. Gosh, I'm just not sold on the Bills. Oh, I just don't. I don't know. I I I will answer your question in a different way. I know the clearly last team to win it, which is the Texans. My goodness, they are certainly the farthest away yes. in that group. Um, I like they're not there yet. But if we're answering this question in the next five years, I really like where the Chargers are headed. And that's not out of the question that they get they get hot and make a run. I think them and Arizona are possibilities. Like they're yeah. and, and same with the Panthers. Don't rule out the Panthers. We're not that far. I, know, away. I, I agree with I agree. Defense I agree is, with the Panthers. Our, our defense is gonna surprise some people and get some some love this year. It's young, but very good, very fast, and uh, very talented. Where I'm a little bit more optimistic with the Carolina Panthers, uh, Luke with the with the Chargers. I love the idea of the Chargers, but they have to contend with a certain guy named Patrick Mahomes, who's in true. their own division. That's true. So that's going to be tough. But Justin Herbert just uh, is on the scene there, so you it wouldn't shock me if we see Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes in, in an AFC Championship game pretty soon. Yep. And. So and we're going to go off. We're going to go think outside of the box. Now, you guys love Coke. I love Coke. We all love Coca-Cola. Fun fact, Coca-Cola was first established in 1885. And here's a fun fact. Before the age of social media, before the age of YouTube, uh, Coke tried to do something with their formula. They came up with new Coke in 1985. In, in less than 90 days, people shot it down. People were upset to the mm. point where it started losing out to Pepsi. So now yes. Coca-Cola is going to try it again. They're going to try to change their uh, formula for Coke Zero Sugar. Now, are we messing with a good thing here, or does Coke need the upgrade? Oh, Bryce, you better go ahead. I have a, I have a passionate take about this. Oh, oh wow. Henry, I, I like you. I like you going off uh, off the book a little bit and uh, off off the sports uh, realm and and diving into this. But I have to tell you, I don't drink soda, like what? very very rarely. Maybe wow. a Sprite. I'm a Sprite guy, which is part of the Coke family. So I do lean toward Coke versus Pepsi. Uh, but just so I eat plenty of sugar. Don't don't get me wrong. I, I've got some. I've, I'm eating some delicious Oreos right now. I've been working through that package. Yeah, the s'mores Oreos right now. Ooh, double stuff. You gotta be you double stuff. So Uh-oh. so I have a strict double stuffed rule. Hundred percent. However, some of the fancy ones aren't double stuffed. So if I go with like kind of a, a limited release, I'm okay with the single. But but if I'm getting a normal traditional. Oreo, it better be normal, traditional with the double stuffed. So you got to go double stuffed. Mega stuffs too much. The sing- uh, on normal Oreos, the normal not enough. Here's a cheat code here: the or the mint Oreo thins. Ooh, I de- and you put them in the freezer. Taste identical to thin mint Girl Scout mint. cookies. Ooh, I like that. Ooh. Girl right. Scout off season. I like that. That's right. So, that's right. So anyway, Mister Doctor Pepperman, what what do you think? That, that's right. Yeah, you're, you're 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 putting it on a tee for me. So as as a prequel to my take here, as as Henry was talking about Coke, I wasn't sure if he was talking about soda in general or Coca-Cola. Because depending on where you are in the country, sometimes Coke just means soda. 
there's a, there's a handful of people in Texas that, oh, I want a Coke. Oh, which one, which Coke do you want? Oh, uh, Dr. Pepper. To me, I, I can't even, I can't tolerate that. That that's, that's, that's outlandish. But then the Midwest, Kansas, everyone in Kansas says pop. Yeah, I'll have some pop. I'll have some pop. I'm a pop guy. I like so pop. We're talking about Coca-Cola, which is absolute blasphemy. Dr. Pepper is clearly, clearly the superior soft drink beverage. Here we go. I will not. Here we go. <laughs> I will not. I will go thirsty than drink Coca-Cola. And I will tolerate Pepsi, even though I think they taste pretty similar. But Dr. Pepper is where it's at. Get the retro vintage green can sugar ones. Green can? Oh, the vintage green, the no the no corn syrup, but the, the with made with real sugar. I mean Dr. Pepper, it's kinda got that almondy flavor. No, like like a, like a wedding cake, the almond flavor. I love that flavor, and Dr. Pepper kinda has a similar taste to that, so that's probably why I love it. But I am strictly a Dr. Pepper drinker. And I will not stand Coca-Cola. So I just had to get I just had to get that off my chest. Dude, I'm about to get you up out of the paint here because Dr. Pepper is just a broke down version of Cherry Coke. Sorry. Yeah, that's oh, fair. No way. You've got cheer wine here in uh, the Carolinas. Oh, my gosh. Cheer, cheer wine, people. Next thing you guys are going to say, Dr. Thunder is the best soda or something. Mr. Something Pib. crazy. Mr. Pib. Gosh. You know what? All <laughs> right, one more tap really quick. Going back to the Olympics. Now, uh, we've got Maria Belen Perez-Maurice. She is a fence artist who had just lost her match. But to take the sting off of the match, and this is an ode to our wedding crasher, Luke, she turns around and her longtime coach is there with the ring to propose to her after the match. How wow. cool is that? Uh, no, 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 let's let's you're uh, you're leading you're le- you're uh, leading the the answer there, Henry, saying that it's cool. Is it? <laughs> Okay, so I guess Bryce doesn't think so. He just watched. <laughs> Bryce, Bryce, the drop off. I'm very eager to hear Bryce's take because I think I might possibly agree with him. So you said it's her coach. It's her longtime coach. Yes, uh, according to ESPN, uh, her longtime coach. Uh, let me get let me get his name here. Lucas Guillermo Saucedo turned the loss into a surprise marriage proposal. Interesting. That's an interesting dynamic. All right, Bryce, welcome back. Yeah, welcome my, back. We've got Panera, my Panera takes have taken me <laughs> off the air. Panera is coming to get me. We're getting rolling blackouts here because Panera, Panera has been clued in to where yeah. we're slandering oh, their name. They've had enough. But did you hear my take? I, that, that to me, doing it right after a loss. That, 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 that to me, that doesn't make up for the loss in the Olympics. What what sport? She's a fencing artist. What is it? A fence artist? To me, to me, it's the coach player dynamic. That's interesting as well. Uh, yeah, that that's, that's he was counting on a win there, and he was let uh, down. I feel like so. Okay, so so here I I will agree, I will agree with you. So the old I think two thousand eight two thousand seven the Tostitos Fiesta Bowl Boise State wins with the yes, Statue of Liberty. Awesome. No, you. The running back proposes to his cheerleader girlfriend. Yes. Does he propose if they don't pull off the Statue of Liberty? I don't know. No think way. I don't now, think then again, did. he is the one leading the proposal. But there's after a loss is very interesting. Yep. Especially in the Olympics. 
I know. That's a tough one. And then the but player, the player Henry, I like dynamic. The yeah. I like so, the story. Very He's, good story. All right, <laughs> boys. And that's Tap Drift for you, where we always take the top podium right here for God. Come Thanks, on. Come there on. you go. All right, Henry. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. Luke, great show. Thank you to, to everybody listening today. Uh, man, awesome show. We'll be back Monday to talk about the NBA draft, which is coming up on Thursday. Uh, do check out our Fantasy Football Fellowship podcast as well. Uh, we've, we've released that in the Unpacking It feed, but then also uh, we have a separate feed in Apple uh, that you can uh, search Fantasy Football Fellowship for those of you that want to hear us uh, talk fantasy football for a whole show. So it's a lot of fun. Uh, we talk faith and, and life as well. Uh, but I'm Bryce. I'm a sports fan who follows Jesus. I believe in the good news that he died on the cross for my sin. He was resurrected. And through faith, I have been saved by his grace. I hope that is true for you as well. And I hope you'll join me as we live life as sports fans who follow Jesus together. Have an awesome week. Enjoy the rest of your day. And we will talk to you next time right here on the Unpacking It Live podcast. For more information about the show, our events, and other resources, visit unpackingit.com. That's U-N-P-A-C-K-I-N-I-T.com. We hope you are encouraged, inspired, and challenged by what you heard today. To support our show and Unpacking It Ministries with a financial gift, visit unpackingit.com slash donate. We look forward to unpacking sports, faith, and life with you again next week.